Welcome to the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. On today's episode, I'd like to talk about making difficult decisions. In particular, some difficult decisions I've made recently. But first, this. Hey, sweetie, you got a minute? Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to get this done before my uh, husband has his badass workshop today. So I'm doing a thing for my workshop. What is it? Sorry, for my podcast. <laughs> And I want folks, the folks at home, to know what it's been like to live with me since I have made these decisions that I've been really sort of nervous or afraid about, bowing out of those two masterminds and bowing out of the freelancer show. So what have you noticed in me that's different than usual? Um, I think that you're actually handling it a lot better than when you first started your business. So when you first started specializing, it, there's um, there's less time that you're freaking out. There's less anxiety. You feel it's it's like hard for you to do it, but then once you do it, it's good. And now that you're now that you're also eating better, it's it's helping your anxiety as well. That's nice to hear. <laughs> you know, specifically with these decisions, like what did and I'm really proud of you for doing. Thank you. So, like, what have you noticed that uh, in terms of my stress level and stuff like that that is different or unusual? Well, you know, I've lived with you for a long time. We're going on 10 years now. Um, And I think that you are more willing to embrace a work-life balance than before. So I feel like you're handling, at least from my observation, I'm not inside your body, but... Yeah. My observation, you're handling the stress so much better because you're actually you're actually in, doing better at having a work life balance, which means you take more breaks. And I'm and and you are. I know it was hard for you to say no to a lot of these things, but as you know and as you teach, it's so important to say no to the things that aren't really nurturing and supporting you. So I'm very proud. Thanks. So what advice would you give maybe to Partners, friends, spouses, loved ones of people making difficult, scary decisions. <laughs> How would you advise them to live with those people? <laughs> uh, to be, first and foremost, to be compassionate and kind and uh, understanding and just gently encourage, you know, walks during the day or walks in nature, things like that, that can, that can reduce anxiety. And also you could help by keeping the house clean and, uh, and, you know, keeping clutter, clutter free and, you know, taking care of the feng shui for your partner or spouse that's totally sitting there like freaking out and stressing out. Um, I think the best anecdote is to really take care of your body when you're having those, those, those peaks, those flares, flare-ups of the stress and the doubt and the imposter syndrome is to just, you know, day by day, stay in the present moment, breathe, you know, all those things. That's, that's, so encourage your partner who, or your beloved uh, husband, wife to, uh, to do those things and be, be gentle and be understanding as much as you can. Thanks, sweetie. You're welcome. Like I said, I've been making some decisions lately that have made me nervous. And I really kind of hate the common pattern that you see in the world of people talking about self-employment or entrepreneurship. The the sort of common pattern you see is people talk about these struggles around making difficult decisions way in retrospect. 
way after the fact. I certainly understand why. It's not fun <laughs> to say, you know, I'm um, in the middle of something. It's not not easy. It's not fun. And I'm not even sure I'm making the right decision. But here's what I'm doing. Here's why. It's much easier to wait until the dust settles and until you have a very nice sort of impressive story about how you weathered this difficult decision, how you ultimately, you know, struggled through it and made the right call and good things happened as a result. It is, I think, so much less common for people to talk about it in the midst of it. Again, I understand why. But the reason I hate that is, to me, it kind of rounds off the rough edges. It smooths over the messy parts and makes them look a lot less messy than they really were. And it, you know, I guess this stuff makes for great case studies or blog content or book chapters, good talks at conferences. Sure. I mean, it's good for that. But it feels one-sided. And because my uh, business is helping people make decisions about their business, specifically how to specialize and specifically how to generate leads the way a, an expert specialist does. I think it, it's almost my obligation to number one, say that I'm no stranger to uh, the firsthand experience of making difficult decisions. And number two, to, to just sort of give you a window inside both, I guess, the more mechanical aspects of making decisions that are not easy, decisions that make you make you feel kind of nervous, and also the emotional aspects of, of doing that. So, like I say, I kind of hate this uh, common pattern of like just waiting until it's safe to talk about the difficult decision. I think that that deprives people of a sort of valuable insight into the decision-making process. And I, I really do believe that one of the things that makes a big difference between su very successful self-employment and sort of mediocre self-employment is uh, making difficult decisions. So specifically the decisions that I've just made, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about so you can just understand, you know, the, I guess the, the scope of what I'm talking about and have a bit of context for it. And then I'll offer some thoughts about more generally what I've observed about making difficult decisions. So the decisions that I've been made recently, just in the past week or so, involve um, bowing out of two masterminds that I was in, both of which were great, both of which, you know, had value, had real value, but I, um, for reasons I'll get to, decided to bow out of those. Second, bowing out of the freelancer show. That's also a great thing. I really enjoy talking with the other panelists there, Jonathan Stark, Kai Davis, Reuben Lerner. Enjoy doing the show, just but I made the decision to stop being a panelist on that, maybe permanently, maybe just for a number of months. We'll see. And then finally, the last decision I've made is to prune my email list. There are about a little over 4,000 people subscribe to my email list. When I tell Drip to identify the ones that Drip thinks have not read or clicked on a link in an email in the last 20 emails, I get about half of my list that fits the, those criteria. 
Now, I'm well aware that some people who Drip thinks are not opening the emails, in fact, are because things are configured such that on on their computer, you know, it's not reporting back to Drip that they opened the message. So for the next month, I'm giving people who fit that that um, criteria of low engagement an opportunity to click a link and remain on my list and escape the great purge that's coming at the end of March. But still, you know, I, I don't think that's going to take that number of 2,000 low engagement subscribers down to 1,000. I think it might take it down to, you know, maybe 1,900. So, all, you know, I'm, I'm in, expecting that about half my list is going to be gone, and I will delete those subscribers at the end of this month. I mean, they can feel free to subscribe again if they want. That's fine, but uh, they're gone at the end of the month. And it feels like the right thing to do. I think it's the right thing to do. But all these things are making me nervous. And I think the main reason why is because they are all a different form of saying no to something that could be an opportunity. Sometimes people will refer to this as uh, fear of missing out, FOMO. And it's... it. This sort of transition from saying no to stuff that is not an opportunity, I mean, that's easy to do, right? It's easy to say no to, hey, will you, you know, come, um, you know, mow my lawn for no money and no thanks. And, you know, everybody would say no to that, I think, because that's not saying no to an opportunity. That's saying no to something you don't want to do that seems to have no opportunity attached to it. But I do believe that pretty much everybody faces this in their business as the business becomes more successful. You have to start saying no to things that are legitimately potential opportunities or they are real opportunities. You know, will you come speak at this conference? Will you come, um, you know, will you, will you spend time writing a, a guest blog post? Will you uh, be a panelist on you know, this, uh, this reasonably popular podcast, stuff like that. Those are all potentially opportunities and saying no to them is, I don't know. I I guess some people get better at it. You know, I look at sort of internet famous people who are clearly just getting approached from, you know, all 360 degrees of access online and I imagine they're they're quite adept at saying no to things that could be opportunities. And again, you know, not every th- person who approaches you online represents a real opportunity, despite what they say. <laughs> I'd like to, you know, hey, I've got this great opportunity. Just wanted to pick your brain about it. You know, despite people saying that, not all of those actually represent opportunities. But the first time you say no to something that could be an opportunity that could be good for your business, I would hazard to guess it is uh, one of the more difficult no's that you as a business owner have said. And that's exactly what I'm feeling with bowing out of these masterminds. Um, they, they are valuable. Being on the freelancer show is valuable. I'm, I'm certain at some point it's been a part of someone becoming a client and, helping, you know, um, generate revenue for my business. One, you know, one or more of those, uh, 2000 odd subscribers on my email list could 
sometime down the road, start reading my emails and uh, become a, you know, a valued client. So these are all things that they're, they're good things that I'm saying no to because, well, here's the thing that complicates it, I suppose. The reason I'm bowing out of these things or backing out of these obligations that I signed up for is because I want more time to work on specialization school. And the specialization school has not proven itself per se yet. What I mean by that is I really do have this um, vision for how specialization school, which is a series of three workshops and one open-ended coaching program, they're all around those two things that I talked about earlier, making that decision about how to specialize and learning how to generate leads the way experts do. In my mind, this is the future of my business. In reality, right now, this is a portion of my business, a subset of my revenue, a subset of what provides value for people. And so this is a transition in my business. It's the beginning of a transition. And there is a non-zero percent chance that I'm making a mistake. There is a non-zero chance that this is not going to work out for me and that this will, I mean, who knows? I could, you know, my mind is full of things to fill into that blank of this could insert horrible, awful thing here. I can fill that in with so many options. And it takes real work to say, yeah, sure, that could happen. I mean, I I could get in the car and drive to the grocery store and that could be the end of my life. You know, that could happen too. Um, All kinds of terrible things could happen. That's life. I am trying to double down on something that I I really believe in and I think is going to provide really great value to a lot of people. And that's why I'm backing out of these things. That's not so much the list pruning is kind of a separate thing because that's not that doesn't really represent an extra appointment on my calendar that takes a, a nice uninterrupted day of potential um, maker time or thinker time and chops it up into smaller chunks. That's really the problem, I suppose, that I'm trying to address by backing out of some of these things, which again, they're good. <laughs> They are good things. But in the context of, of what I'm trying to do with my business right now, they they also have some negative uh, qualities associated with them. They, they sort of cause me to do context switching. And when I look at my calendar, um, I think there's a lot about Paul Graham to criticize. But he did write this really great article once about the different ways that managers approach scheduling versus makers. And if if someone who is, does deep work looks at their calendar and sees it sliced and diced into a bunch of, um, you know, let's say 90 minute segments bookended by meetings on either end, they're going to say, well, geez, that's not even enough time to get my, (laughs) get, get really get into it. So I'm just not going to, I'm, I'm going to do something less demanding, less taxing during that 90-minute space between meetings. And to an extent, uh, you know, that is true of me. Um, So I'm just looking to try to create more time on my schedule that doesn't look like that, that is these, you know, three, four-hour stretches of time 
during which I can really sort of sink into doing deeper work, which is what I feel like I need to do to uh, support what I'm trying to build with specialization school. That's why I'm making these particular decisions. What about you? Is there some decision you're facing that's making you nervous? Is there some way you could get support with that? Speaking to someone who's outside the situation who might see it a bit more objectively. Speaking to someone who might help you think through what the actual risks are. I hope so. It's um, not easy, not fun. But I think this is an inescapable part of making our businesses better. So I hope that as you face these difficult decisions, you um, face them with some courage and hopefully with the support you need. See you next time.